Would you stand for the reading of the word? We're going to Matthew chapter 18. Uh, this is a hard topic to deal with as a pastor because um, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 and 22. Because forgiveness is a difficult topic to handle because sometimes things happen to us that we would never choose or pick and we think, how can a loving God have that happen or how can this happen to me? And God may not choose it. Men have the will to choose evil things and evil things affect other people. But God can take it if we give it to him. If we forgive and give it to him, he can't take it and make it for good, like I said earlier. So I want to just start with a topic called forgiveness with boundaries. And I'll tell you where this comes from. I, I listen to a devotion as often as I can. My second pastor, my first pastor is Joseph Hanthorne of Mequon, but my second pastor is Pastor Ken Gurley. Um, for First Church in Pearland, Texas. He is family friend for years. And uh, whenever I say that name, I, I just want you to know that you can go and get the same devotion by just going out and following that devotion. And he is a wordsmith and a man of God, and he will bless you, and he will take topics, and he will ground them in the Word of God for you and so that you can be anchored and stronger he does it better than anybody I know. So if you want to know more about that, see me after service, and I'll help direct you to his devotion every day. Happens 7 a.m. every morning. Just get up, get your coffee. You can stay in your full onesie pajamas. I know you wear one. you got a big zipper in front and little feet covers. And no, but you can get your coffee and be in your slippers and just join in, and um, it'll bless your soul. Someone said Amen. For morning devotion, we should spend some time with the Lord if we can. They say forgiveness should be without boundaries. I disagree. I don't believe that's biblical. I believe forgiveness should be with boundaries. Now, of course, we should forgive unlimited, but we should not give people unlimited access that are toxic to our life. Amen? So we need to learn how to forgive and how they respond to that forgiveness determines what kind of fence we need up around us. How many know we need to give some people some space? Amen? How many know some people need to give us some space before we give them a Jesus name backhand? No, I'm kidding. Um, so I want to talk to you about forgiveness with boundaries. And the scripture says, Then came Peter to him and, and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him till seven times. That sounds good, right? If you did something to me seven times in one day, you and I would have uh, some discussions, I think. So Peter was like, that makes sense. That's a lot. I, and then Jesus answered him and said, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times seven. That's a lot. Someone say, that's a lot. I don't think you'd ever encounter the same offense the same day that many times. And that's why Jesus said it. He's like, you're going to forgive unlimited, but you're not going to make yourself, put yourself in harm's way to be hurt by the same person over and over again. Amen. That's called abuse. And we're going to deal with that today. So forgiveness with boundaries. Jesus, help us in this room. Let the balm of Gilead fall on a heart. Let there be some healing that takes place in somebody's life who forgives but still keeps boundaries up. That doesn't mean they didn't forgive. It just means that they have created space between them and the one who does not know how to come to peace. And we ask you in the name of Jesus that your word would be a work in us right now. In Jesus' name. Somebody said amen. You may be seated. There is nothing more beautiful and more compelling to the human soul than the story of forgiveness. To watch someone stand in a courtroom and hug an offender 
when he took their loved one's life, to watch someone stand and say, I forgive you even though you've hurt me, it moves, it moves the heart. And to watch even, <laughs> it sounds strange, but to watch even my dog while being hurt because I accidentally stepped on his paw, circle back and just start licking my hand and wagging his tail, still going, or, 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 but wagging his tail. He already forgave me. It's a beautiful spirit in a dog, and, and that's why I think it's wonderful that when you see people forgive just out of their life, they're just, they're forgiving people, and you look at that, and you're like, how can they do that? How is it possible for them to turn around and forgive? And when you begin to learn how to forgive, you start to find the beauty of forgiving, right. and you begin to live a forgiving spirit, amen? Yes. And so... The anchor of statements of what I want to talk to you about is offering forgiveness to others is one of the most challenging but life-giving aspects of the Christian life. How many have had a hard time with forgiving somebody? You want to, we want to be real here today. You've had something happen, and it's very difficult to forgive that person. That is where we want to anchor ourselves today. In forgiving, we find healing for our own hearts. Do you know that forgiving releases you as much as it releases anyone else? And so we want to forgive, of course. When we forgive, we become like Christ in offering mercy and undeserving mercy sometimes and grace and love. And Luke talks to us about forgiveness, that, that we're supposed to be merciful as your Father is merciful. Amen? Luke 6 36 through 37. If you want to do a deep dive into this topic, I know it seems basic, but it talks to you about being merciful. Learn to be a merciful person. Learn to be a person who looks for the good in others. And not that there is not people who are scam artists and people who put up masks and really are after something else. I know those people are out there. and You have to be street smart. You have to be understanding of the times that we live in. But being merciful, though it is seemingly less and less the case in our society, being merciful will bless your life. And he actually says in its command here, be ye therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. We don't get to change that command just because we're full of a world that hates certain things. We don't get to change that command because culture wants to cancel certain things. We don't get to change that command because there's no more Pepe Le Pew and there's no more, I mean, I don't care what your political assignment is or what you call yourself. There are some things that stand above politics and stand above everything else, and that is the commandments of the Word of God. And I know that they still bless a life no matter what environment you live in. The first century church lived in a culture much like ours today, believe it or not, and the Word of God was still powerful there. They still had revival there. They still had firefall there. They still had a move of God there. And I'm believing that if we live with a merciful spirit and a forgiving heart, that God will save people that would not have come to him. But because they see the moving of forgiveness, the spirit of forgiveness on our life, they'll say, if that is what you're able to do walking with God, I want the God that you serve. I want to know the God that you know, because if you can forgive someone for something like that, then maybe I can find healing myself and forgiveness in that kind of a God. I want to be a vessel that walks in our world and forgives and offers forgiveness so that people know that you do this or I do this because we have been forgiven so much ourselves. Amen. And so Philippians 2 and 8 talks about Jesus died for forgiveness, being found in the fashion of a man. It talks to the fact that he was formed to be a man and gave his life for forgiveness. Amen. He hung on the cross 
The exhumed bodies tell us that they didn't put the nails through the hands, but they put them through the wrist area when they hung, when they hung individuals to crucify them. And there's a nerve right between those two major bones that when they hit it, their hands would close and they could not reopen their hands when they hung on the cross. Literally, grace clutched us at the cross and held on to us and would not let go. He forgave us and we hear echoing from that cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He was the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth, Dr. Janica. He was the one who was set before time to come into time and to die for us. He was fashioned as a man. The word man means he was 100% man, but he was 100% God. So as a man, when all of sin's shame and all of sin's destructive forces were laid on his shoulder on the cross, as he gripped us in grace and gripped us in truth, he died saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgiveness has the power to save brothers and sisters. Forgiveness has the power to save. Can I tell you, mercy obtains mercy. James tells us in 2 and 13 that mercy released can bring mercy to our lives. That God actually set up for us to have a relationship with him and recognize that when he forgave us in that same way, we have to forgive others. Knowing that makes it very difficult to read the rest of the passage that I gave to you in Matthew 18 because we see a story of an unforgiving servant. You know the story. Many of you Bible scholar heads, you, you study a lot of the Word of God. But I want to break down for you just real quick so you can understand the weight. If you can follow me in verse 23, it says, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And verse 24 says, And when he had begun to reckon one, he brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Everyone say 10,000 talents. A talent was a weight or measurement of, of wealth in that time. It's, it's, if you look into scholarly examples, they will tell you that a talent breaks down to about 60 million denarii. Denarii doesn't mean much to us because it's not, it's not what we used for currency, but it's what they used for currency. And, and so in some places in Scripture, you can go to scholarly renderings and find out what this money actually was valued at and what it meant. They actually say in the New Knaves topical Bible that possessing five talents of gold or silver was a multimillionaire to today's standard. And so he owed him 10, I'm trying to find it, 10,000 talents. If you break a talent down to its value today, roughly, there's some more conservative scholars, but they estimate the value of a talent to be between $1,000 and $30,000. They don't really know how much it was, but they know. So if you were to go on the low end, he would owe him $10,000. If you were to go on the high end, he would literally owe him $870,000. And so let's just say for the sake of understanding the word of God that a denarii, 60 million denarii would be about what he owed him. And it breaks down to about one, uh, one, it breaks down into pennies, it breaks down into um, pences. They, they have all kinds of different breakdowns in the actual language and, and the use of money. But if, it goes, if you go down in the story, you see that while he owed so much, he had someone that owed him as well. And this is the parable that Jesus gives for us to understand that when you're forgiven much, you should forgive much. And verse 25 says, but for as much as he had not to pay his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children and all that he had in payment 
to be made. In other words, in those times, primitive times, un- unevolved thinking times, they would sell everything, even the person, to get the payment. And the servant, therefore, fell down as, of course, we understand the emotion and worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion. Look at the compassion shown here. Jesus is trying to show that he had much debt, but he he was forgiven much debt. And he's, he's showing that the, the, the ruler had compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. That would be roughly like forgiving $870,000 of debt. Like someone walking up and, you, and, and begging you, please, I, I beg of you. And he didn't just say, okay, keep working and pay me. Of course, we understand that what, what was owed there 10,000 talents would be roughly 20 years of wages from what I studied out. And so he, he released him from a life of payment or indentured servitude. And when he released him, it's showing the compassion of the master. Amen? Yeah. And he wanted us to apply this story to the compassion of God toward us. That though he had so much that he was supposed to give, he was released from that by a compassionate master. How many know that Jesus is a God who is compassionate? Amen. And that regardless of the debt anyone has, he is willing to release us because of the sacrifice. He paid for it all, amen. And it doesn't matter if it's money represented here or if it's sin represented in our life. He wants us to take this story and apply it to our lives in the sense that though we owed so much, God was a compassionate God and he let us be forgiven and released. And how dare we hold anyone else accountable to us when the God who should have held us accountable to him released us in such a precious and beautiful way. Liberty in the Holy Ghost, brothers and sisters, was costly at the cross, and I thank God for the liberty we felt here today because that is the God of compassion releasing us from the debt we owe him, and every day he does it again and again. And then the Lord, verse 27, then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving us our debt. That's how this story applies to our life. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed an hundred pence. Pence is just the Latin word for penny. And so basically they translate their penny into uh, in, throughout the times and down through the times into our uh, currency as around $7. So somewhere in that space, it's not an exact science, obviously, because it's different cultures and different money. But that would mean that he owed him about $700 or 700 pennies. So... What that means to us is when you times that by 700, it ends up being a certain amount of money, but it was so much less than what he owed his master. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat. Hello, somebody. If that's not aggression, I don't know what is. Pay me that all that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at the feet and besought him, saying, Have patience on me, and I will pay all. Nearly the same sentence is shown here. He, God is trying to tell us in this parable that one was forgiven and one would not forgive, and he would not, verse 30, and he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then the Lord, after that, he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desired me. You asked me to, you begged me. Shouldn't you have, shouldst not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentor or tormentors till he should pay all 
that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your heart forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. So the truth here in this passage is, if you don't forgive, you put up roadblocks between you and the master. If you don't forgive, you put up uh, some breach, places where God cannot breach, places where God cannot come through because of your unforgiving heart. You literally set up things that keep you from God. So I'm telling you, if you want to have a great relationship with the Lord, you have to forgive all those that bring trespass to your life. And how easy is that to do? It is not easy. So Understanding forgiveness is important. You, When you are hurt, you have one of two options. We are all a toggle switch, whether we know it or not. You will either forgive or you will become bitter. There's no in between. And that's why scripture warns us about bitterness because it says if you're not a person that learns and leans toward forgiveness, you will automatically build bitterness in your heart and thereby many are defiled. Not just one person, but many people are affected by bitterness. And so when people lash at you, brothers and sisters, we are called sheep in the scripture and sheep do not bite anything unless they're wounded. Sheep will not bite at anything unless they're hurt. And the reason why some people snap at you and the reason why some people lash at you is because wounded people are hurting other people. That is what's happening. Bitterness has built in some people so much that they need medication to get up and medication to go to bed. They have not lived a forgiving life and therefore they have built this backlog of all kinds of hurts and wounds. And we are a place that is a hospital of grace. And people come here and some Sometimes it takes them one, two, three, four, five years for them to unearth all of the hurt that's in their life. And they just begin to come to my wife and I and they're saying, I can't even believe how free I feel. I can't even believe how much love I'm feeling. I can't even believe how easy it's become for me to forgive people. And I understand it's not easy to forgive, but it became easier for them in this moment. Why? Because they're learning how to release it to God. They're learning how to let go of the bitterness and lean toward forgiveness. They are walking in a this parable right here and they're forgiving those that had so much owed to them because of the hurts they did and they're releasing it to God that is the objective restores your relationship with God that's the first objective and I got this last sermon the sermon that we preached uh, last week um, in this so basic series and this sermon all came from one devotion and I give King Gurley that credit. And he said, he said, an unforgiving spirit puts roadblocks between you and the master. And if, if a brother, if you're, if you're offering a gift to God, he said, the Bible even says, if you bring a, a sacrifice to the Lord and your brother has ought against you, leave your sacrifice on the altar and go seek forgiveness. He said, that's so important that we forgive that even the things we bring to God can be hindered if we don't go and seek forgiveness and get it right with our brother and sister and then come back and give our offering to the Lord. Here at the cross, obviously, when we see the cross and the sacrifice of Jesus, we know that there's so many things that were forgiven at the cross. And so forgiveness makes our relationship right with God. Number two, the second goal of forgiveness is it untethers you from the one who harmed you. It releases you from the one who harmed you. Not forgiving always ties you to that person. Anybody ever experience this or see this where someone has a story that they bring up and they're talking about something and they suddenly start getting emotional and getting upset what's happened. They haven't forgiven the person who hurt them. And therefore, that person will always be a perpetual button pusher for their life. They will always be someone who brings emotions into their life that they don't know how to release. And if you don't forgive people, it'll prove that you have a difficulty releasing emotion and releasing the things that are tied to the hurts that they brought to your life. You don't want to live a life like that. You don't want to live a life where your happiness is connected to some other person. Happiness is not something that, that needs to be tied to another individual. Your sense of well-being can never be really found if you don't forgive other people because you will have strings tied to your soul of other people that hurt you. And if you don't learn to forgive, you will not take out the scissors of grace and just cut off all of those different tethers. And when you start doing that, you'll be surprised at how beautiful your life can become. Don't wait for them to say, I'm sorry. 
forgive them on credit. Amen? Just open up a Jesus credit card and start forgiving. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Charge. (laughs) Just forgive people. Because if you don't, you will go around trying to prove how they wronged you. And toxic people, when they can't say things to hurt you, will go around and say things to hurt you through other people around you. And you have to understand that that is a person that does not know how to forgive. Don't return evil for evil, but return good for evil. Create space between you and them, but forgive them. Amen, somebody? Quit seeking validation in how they hurt you. Martin Luther King says, you've got to be confident that the arc of justice is long, but it does bend toward moral justice. You have to be confident that God is the bookkeeper and he will make it right. You do not need to take vengeance on anybody. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If you're listening online, hear me today. Release them. Release whoever has hurt you because in doing so, you release yourself to heal. And that is what we need to do. Forgiveness releases you, number two. And number three, forgiveness seeks reconciliation. We, as human beings, tend to block and to guard. We fight or flight or fright. We know we have responses that are, that are basic to our human nature. But forgiveness is the opposite. Forgiveness reaches out and says, I want to reconcile. But I love how Romans, that Paul is the same one that deals with some of this stuff. In Romans 12, 17 through 21, he deals with, he says, don't repay evil for evil. I just said that. But he also says, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. In other words, Paul says that living peaceable with other men is based upon how much is possible with that other person. And there are some things that are not possible, brothers and sisters. Some people are just bent to rage. They just, they're, they're bitter. They're not willing to forgive. They're not wanting to forgive. They like to seek vengeance. They like to get people back. There are people like that in our world, and I understand that. But those are the people that you create space from. You may not be able to reconcile with them because of the way they act, but you can have forgiveness, seek reconciliation, and you can forgive them and put them in the hands of the Lord. Amen? And then when you do that, you release yourself and you release your responsibility before God to forgive them. And so if it be possible, if they will not, then you are released from responsibility. It does take two to tango, brothers and sisters. It does take two people to find true forgiveness. But if they won't, do not go seeking for them to come to you and apologize and say, and say I'm sorry, I recognize, I hurt you. No, you just forgive them on credit. Amen? You are not responsible for others' actions. Understand that. Make, you cannot make people treat you right. Hear me. You cannot make people treat you right, but you can treat people right even if they treat you wrong. And by doing so, you show Jesus to the world. And you live at peace as much as is possible in your life. Paul said of Alexander the coppersmith, he did me much harm. But Paul did not seek vengeance on him. But it records that in Scripture saying that he hurt Paul. And he could have continued to hurt Paul, but of course we know that whenever people continue to hurt you, it reveals more about you than it does about them. That if you let somebody hurt you over and over again, you have not truly understood who you are in God because you are a masterpiece. You are God's precious purchase from the cross. He loves you and he adores you and he thinks good things about you and he does not consider you valueless or something to be abused. You are not someone's abuse material. You hear me? You are valuable in Christ Jesus. You are precious and you are saying so much about your understanding of who you are if you let someone continue to hurt you. Yes, 
forgive them, but create some space. Put a fence up between you and them. Do not let them in to your personal space or your private space or maybe not even in your public space. If they are that toxic, you have to understand that you are the one who controls that. If you can, if it's possible, as much as lieth in you, seek peace with all men. But there is a place where some people cannot go. There is a space created between you and them because they do not recognize your value. And because someone devalues you does not mean you're valueless. Because Jesus died for you. And if he died for you, then you have value and you do not deserve to be harmed by another human being. Not at all. Not ever. And I'm thankful for the the great efforts that are happening through Tim Tebow and his wife and the trafficking recovery that's going on in our world. And young girls that are put into the sex trade are being grabbed and pulled out. And they don't even know how to live apart from their oppressors. But they're finding ways for them to be put into apartments and helping these young girls and even boys and finding whole containers full of 18 to 21-year-olds and brothers and sisters We are in a world like this, but even in a world like that, we have to understand that there are people that are going to get recovered, and they don't know how to walk right. They have to be trained up in the ways of God, but you are meant to give glory to God. They have to be taught that they're not to be treated like that. They're not to be an object of somebody's objectivity. They're not supposed to be something that's used, borrowed, trade, or sold. Human beings are not supposed to be a commodity, brothers and sisters. And until the world understands that, we have to teach them, you are a masterpiece. You have a right to do things and not have things done to you. You are for the glory of God. Your life is to tell the story of the glory. And yes, I will yell. Yes, I will project through a camera that there is something about us that when God bought us, he makes us new. He makes us whole again and when we forgive people we understand and when we walk away from very difficult and hurtful lifestyles even the trafficking that I'm talking about those people have to be trained on how to live a life that gives God glory and that means cutting off things that hurt them and you cannot just forgive and open all the boundaries you have to forgive with boundaries There are things that you have to cut out of your life because it takes us away from the precious things of God when we are hurt regularly by other people. Amos 3 and 3 says, can two walk together and not agree? You've got to give some people. Turn to somebody and tell them, give them space. You've got to give them space. Maybe they're learning. Maybe they're growing. Maybe they're becoming better but they haven't learned how to not hurt people that are around them yet. So give them some space. Put up some boundaries. But there's, a say, there's an old saying, fences make good neighbors. You ever heard that saying? Have you ever heard the Allstate slogan, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there? Have you heard that one? I have one. Like a good neighbor, stay over there. <laughs> um. So I went, I went over to my neighbor's house last night and shot some hoops, and, and I said that one, and they're, they're amazing people, just amazing people. And I have no, this sermon has no reference point on them. But I told them that joke, and they all laughed, and they're like, sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's good to have a fence between you and a neighbor. Sometimes it's good to have a fence between you and someone that hurts you. No reference to my neighbor, of course, but Louis Fourteenth was accosted by his groundskeeper as the lords and ladies were trampling the fresh foliage and the young plants that were growing up in the gardens in the beautiful palisades of Louis' gardens. And he had them put out tablets where there were words that told the lords and lordesses where to stay and where not to walk and do not stray from the path because you're damaging the gardens of the king. And from that, a word comes into our language known as etiquette. It tells... They were told to stay on the path and the rules of behavior. And that word etiquette comes into our language from the tablets, what was written on the tablets. And it means boundaries of behavior, ways in which we act toward one another. 
And when someone doesn't have proper etiquette or been taught proper etiquette, they can harm other people and not even know they're doing it. And they have to be trained how to walk and a glorious lifestyle. They have to be trained how to walk to share the glory of God in the world. They have to be brought up with etiquette and with manners, and they need to be taught how to say please and thank you and hold doors and and do right things and, and continue to understand that whenever you do certain things, you disrespect other people. And knowing that teaches you how to have boundaries, Help and it helps people. Do you understand, and maybe you do, that boundaries helps release the power of forgiveness? Whenever someone's been hurt and you have a a good, healthy boundary in your life, you help that person heal by having that boundary there. And also help yourself heal. You're right. (laughs) One of the old preachers used to say, your rights end where my nose begins. You don't have a right to everything I'm thinking, amen? Amen. This is the final frontier of privacy right here. Everything else seems to be on the internet or found or you, while I'm preaching here today, if I say something about something that I like, I'll get five ads this afternoon on my phone for that particular thing. If I say, if I say that I'm working on something and and I really would need a a drone to do it because I want to fly up and take some pictures, I'll get five drone ads on Facebook by this afternoon. Why? Because there's nothing private anymore. Don't share everything you're thinking, brothers and sisters. Not only is it possibly not a God thought, but maybe it needs to be taken captive and put under the blood. But also, you might say some things that you regret and hurt other people. You need to engage your brain before you engage your mouth. Amen. Somebody, let grandma speak in the house today. Amen. My grandmother would say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything. All what she's saying is keep your thoughts in your own head. But not only should you keep your thoughts in your own head so that you don't hurt other people and you keep up safe and healthy boundaries with what you say and what you do, but also because we can tend to lean toward bad coping mechanisms when we are hurt. We can cope by tearing down somebody else in our mind. Amen. We can cope by chewing them out, even though we didn't chew them out. Amen. We can cope by saying things and, and judging them when we haven't de- when they don't deserve that kind of judgment. Scripture even tells us, judge not lest you be judged, amen? So we understand that if we're going to judge people, we're going to be judged with that same measure of judgment. And so we have to be careful. I referenced Luke 6, 36 and 37. That's where that's found. And in doing so, we can cause ourselves harm and we can label people with labels they don't deserve. And you can be to treat them because no matter how you'd like to say you don't, when you think a certain way about a certain person long enough, you will talk to them a certain way and you will act a certain way toward them. And if you have coping mechanisms that are not good, you will begin to treat them poorly. And that is the breakdown of a good boundary and you started it in your mind. Amen? So it's basic. I get it. Thought begets Talk, and talk begets action. Basic, I know, but can I give you some healthy boundaries to help us today? Not only what we think. That's why the Bible says, hide the word of God in your heart that you might not sin against God because whenever you start to think poor thoughts, the word of God will effervesce out of your heart and say, that's not a thought that you should have. That breaks down a boundary relationship. You're gonna hurt your friendship with them by telling that secret. You need to hold on to that. That's not your story to tell. You're gonna start learning things from the word of God that will help your relationships and help you learn how to live better life. Healthy boundaries, learn how to say no. Because when you say yes to everybody, you say no to better things. Learn how to understand that you don't have to be right all the time. You don't have to win every argument. You may be right, but don't engage in a fight. You know what they say, if you roll in the mud with a pig... You just get muddy. <laughs> if you get in a dog fight, you look, they don't know which one's the dog. You don't stoop to the same level of an argument as someone else. And I know people can get in your personal space. And I know we have, we have violations of those things. I remember I, I told somebody that you did, a, did this wrong in a form, and he just got up in my face right here, and he just, 
And I'm like, everything in me, <laughs> Brother Reese, everything in me wanted to do the wrong thing at that moment. And I even told a coworker, I said, you need to get this guy out of my face. He was just right there. I said, you need to get this guy out of my face. And I was bigger than him, Brother Reese, so I don't think it would have been a losing battle. And finally, he calmed down. He was a hothead. We knew that. And I already knew that. But I didn't have to be right at that moment. I just said, you know what? I'm sorry. I, maybe I said that a little bit too pointed. And things evened out. And he was my friend for the rest. He never, he was nice to me the rest of our relationship. But I could have done the wrong thing there. You're not responsible. Here's another healthy boundary. You're not responsible for others' feelings. Oh, I saw a cartoon this week, and the, and the dad was saying, say the magic words if you want it. And the little boy goes, I'm offended. <laughs> That's the world we live in, is it not? But you're not responsible for other people's feelings. Because no matter how hard you try, somebody will get offended. They will find something to be offended about. And we have to understand that even in this culture where people are massively offended on, on small and large scales, we are not responsible for others' feelings. I'm not saying you go and hurt people's feelings. You understand what I'm saying. But you don't need to be asking forgiveness for somebody's hurt feelings over and over and over again when they have chronic examples of them being offended all the time. In fact, Scripture says, brethren, take, you know, don't be surprised when offense comes. The enemy uses offense more than we understand. He'll use offense to damage good relationships that could have been iron sharpening iron and could have brought great things into the kingdom of God. But he'll use offense. So another healthy boundary. Their problem <laughs> is their problem. <laughs> It's not your problem, amen? Are, are these too rough? Are these too hard today? Number two or number five, my needs matter. Your needs do matter. I know other people have needs, but your needs matter too. You need to have a healthy life, and you need to have a healthy mind and heart. And then number six, I'm not responsible to satisfy all needs. I know there's people that come to this church and I could spend 24-7 dealing with other people's needs. But I, in doing so, would be neglecting the needs of my children and my family. I would be neglecting of the needs of me to pray and to seek God for this church. I'd be neglecting the needs of having to manage and operate into what God has called me to do. And then number seven, I don't need everyone to agree with me. But my life must agree with God. I don't need everybody to agree with me, but my life must agree with God and his word. Amen? Forgive with no strings attached, but don't forgive boundlessly. Forgive with boundaries because some people, depending on how they respond, they choose. Amen? They choose the distance they have between you and them. You do not, you do not hold people at arm's length that are truly repentant and truly asking forgiveness. If you have a family member that comes to you that really hurts you, and they've only done it once or twice, and they've come to you, and they said, I'm truly sorry, I'm gonna be better, there is a place where you can let them into. But they need to prove themselves to you as well in some ways. There needs to be rebuilding trust, because trust was broken. So they determine how close they can be to you. And in doing so, you start to create behavioral patterns, etiquette within that relationship. And boundaries allow us to release the power of forgiveness while making sure that they do not hurt us again and again. Amen? Amen. So boundaries are redefining the relationship based upon how they act. If they just keep doing the same thing over and over again, you cannot let them into private spaces, personal spaces in your life, because they are hurting you, and you are a masterpiece. Amen? Amen. How much access do toxic people have to your life? Think about that. Setting boundaries are very important. The Bible tells us to follow godliness 
or follow God completely with everything in us. And we can't give God all of us if half of our heart is wounded by others. And so the Bible says, follow holiness and peace with all men in Hebrews 12, 14. And I'm closing with this. You cannot follow holiness and peace with all men if they continually hurt you or say things about you or damage your relationship between you and them. You cannot, literally cannot follow holiness and peace without boundaries with both your walk with God and others. You have to have boundaries in your life. Amen? Would you stand with me? And so what I'm trying to tell you is forgiveness releases you, but boundaries, healthy boundaries, helps you have healthy relationships. Wrong boundaries or wrong relationships do not invite right relationships. You can have too many wrong relationships in your life to where you cannot build one that's right. And so whenever you give all of yourself to that side of things, healing and forgiving and, and constantly repairing bad relationships and you don't create a space, you spend all your emotional energy on repairs and not on a new relationship, a healthy relationship. And so you have to pray. You have to ask God, Lord, if I'm hurt by the same person over and over again, how much space do I need to put in my life. See, the boundary does not mean you didn't forgive them. The boundary just means that you see yourself as more valuable to God than they do. And so if someone hurts you over and over again, if it's a stranger, it's easy. You can just cut them off. But if it's a family member, a relative, what do you do? You have to build boundaries and you have to talk about it. You have to put them before the Lord. You have to ask the Lord, Lord, heal me and help me to know the distance I need between them and me. Identify them. Identify the toxic people in your life and place them before the Lord. No, I, don't hold an intervention and bring them all in and tell them how much they've hurt you. Forgive them. If they want to get into a conversation, you can talk about it, but call it out in prayer. And in prayer, God will help you lay aside the coping mechanisms, lay aside the hurt, and he'll help you run a race like you've never run it before, and you will forgive in ways that you never knew you could forgive. You'll forgive in ways that you never thought your heart could forgive. And God will give you rest. I know this is a long sermon, but can I tell you that forgiveness is a function of the Holy Spirit? I have more I overstudied, but can I tell you that the Holy Ghost gives us rest. And they have now found doing sleep studies that the synapses in the brain and the, the memories that are stored in the mind have emotions connected to them. And that when you get a good, night, a good night's rest, the mind does a cleansing of itself. And it separates the emotions from those memories and it categorizes those memories and it stores them in places and puts them in logical locations in your mind so that you can access them in the future if you need to. But it separates the emotion from the memory. Have you ever gone to bed distraught and woke up and felt better? What happened? Overnight, the physical process of rest actually reduces the amount of emotion attached to that memory. Science is just now proving this. And the Bible says this is the rest wherein you were called, you should be called to rest. This is the Holy Ghost that brings a wind of refreshing, a refreshing to your spirit and to your soul. Forgiveness will help you to step away from what's tying you down. But then you need to go into prayer, into the Holy Spirit. And you need to say, God, I call it out. They're not good for me. They're not, they're not a bad person. But sometimes two good people together make bad th situations happen. And you need to separate and put a boundary between you and them and say, Lord, would you remove the emotion? 
emotional damage? Would you take away the emotions of those memories? Would you help me? And rest can come to your life. You can find a place in God where you never found before because you forgave somebody and then you called it out in prayer and the Holy Ghost stepped in and removed the emotion from the memory and began to heal your heart and mind. And because the Holy Ghost doesn't work like that, you walk away rested like you could never be before. And you can literally have moments where you wake up and you're holding your coffee, looking at the sun come up and go, I feel so different. I feel so much better. I didn't need that person like I thought I did, but I needed Jesus so much more. And you will have rest for your body, your mind, your heart, and you will heal if you have forgiveness with boundaries. Jesus, help somebody today. Every head bowed in this room. Lord, release the Spirit of God to heal. Release the Holy Ghost to heal somebody today. Whether listening online or in this room, Lord Jesus, be the rest for them. Be the place where their weary heart rests from all the battles and all the wounds, all the scars and all the hurts. Lord Jesus, just because they went through it doesn't mean it doesn't live with them every day. And I pray right now that there's something cut out of somebody's life, that there's a Holy Ghost surgery done that removes the damage and the trauma and the emotions of that trauma. And you begin to help them to recategorize and relabel some things that happened in their life. Life as as being something that God brought and that, that God brought to good as something that God uses even though it's bad God can use it and that it's not wasted in their life but they separate it they categorize it and you bring rest to their heart in that situation give somebody reconciliation today that doesn't have it. Give somebody the ability to forgive someone that hurt them badly, that said something about them where they, they shared private information and, and they spread it around like gossip. God, help somebody to be healed today and put up a boundary and say, I'm going to give you a little space because I, I'm a child of God. I'm a beautiful creation. My life was meant to give God glory. And I'm going to put a boundary up so that I can have a testimony that gives God glory. And that I have been, in the days when I hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, I can say that I live peaceably as much as lieth in me. And that I followed peace and holiness with all men. In Jesus' name we pray this prayer. Let forgiveness have boundaries. Come and pray if you'd like to. If there's something that's on your heart, if there's someone that hurts you, if you've ever been abused in any way and you still feel those things come up, the altar's open. Would you come and pray? Would you respond to the Word of God? Karen is going to sing, but this is not a special. This is where we respond to God. This is background music to our hearts being laid before the Lord. Find a place. If you need to go, I understand, but this is a day where we forgive. and This is a day where we erect some fences that fell down, where people have run over our life and run into our life and we put some fences back up. Maybe you have some unhealthy boundaries that have been broken down and you have some people too close to you that shouldn't be. Maybe, young men, you have some broken boundaries where where you have some lusts and things in your life. You need to put up some space. You need to put up some fences and you need to push back again on things that have broken down fences. You need to go ahead and work on forgiving somebody. Do the work of repairing your own heart today, asking God to forgive you and forgive them, and then putting them in God's hands right now, in the name of Jesus, 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 in the name of Jesus. It couldn't fill me, man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never Then you came along and put me back together, and every desire is now.